With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody. What's going on? I'm your host, Nick Hamilton, alongside my partner, Scott Winter. And we have a jam-packed show on this episode of the Silver and Black Turf here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. Now, it's a hard knock life out here for Raider Nation. We'll get into that, all the specifics, what you can look forward to, as well as we'll go through minicamp, what do we learn, who stood out, all of that great stuff surrounding the silver and black. Now, it's time to hit the turf with my man, Scott Winter. What's going on, Scott? How you doing, man? Oh, another day in paradise and uh, camp's over. So we're in that lull that lasts six weeks before we get continuous. Raider football for the rest of the year. I'm excited. Yes, it's a step closer to uh, (laughs) some real football action happening. Finally, um, what I look at is this, okay? It was announced on Tuesday that HBO decided to go with the Oakland Raiders for their hard hard knock series on – HBO. So what I look at is this, right? It was between the Washington team and the Oakland Raiders. Now, we had this discussion on a previous episode uh, that Scott and I had where we talked about the pros and cons of, of being on hard knocks either this year or next year. Now, Scott was more inclined to having it this year. I was more inclined to having it in the year 2020 because they moved to Vegas with all the bells and whistles and all the dis- possible distractions here and there and Vegas being what it is, Sin City. So now, here's what I want to see on Hard Knocks. I want to see on Hard Knocks how Mike Mayock got his job. Now, I know he was a football analyst. I know he knows football. But how did he bypass everybody that's been working and grinding to get to that position, and he leapfrogged over everybody to get that position? What is John Gruden doing that's going to take this Raider team to another level because he's been out of coaching for 10 years. He got a hundred plus million dollars to coach. And I think John, John Gruden is a brilliant individual when it comes to football. I think he knows the game of football backwards and forwards. And the thing about it is what are we going to expect? I want to know what's going to happen. No stone should be left unturned. You, this was primed for a hard knock series. When you look at all the acquisitions that they made, you saw the Antonio Brown issue. You saw the uh, Vontez Burfick. We all know what, Va- what Vontez Burfick and Antonio Brown's relationship at least was when Vontez was playing with Cincinnati and Antonio Brown was playing with Pittsburgh. And so then you, then you go on the edge and you, you go ahead and sign Richie Incognito. Now, if this doesn't have hard knocks written over it, I don't know what is. I want to see the relationship between Antonio Brown and Vontez Burfick. Is there still some beef there? Or have they kind of kissed and made up and moved on and focused on the business at hand, which is the silver and black? 
I want to know why in the hell do they have Richie Incognito? Like I said on this on a, on this here podcast a couple of episodes back. I understand it from a football perspective, but then again, they could have went and got someone else. So I want to know what went into the decision making on bringing a guy like Richie Incognito in. And then I want to know what the rookies are going through. We look at Josh Jacobs. We look at all the uh, uh, Clinton, uh, Clean Farrell, uh, the kid out of Clemson, who was the number six pick, excuse me, uh, number four pick in the first round. I want to know what went into those decisions. I want to see some arguments. I want to know what goes on in the locker room. I want to get a good idea of what goes on in the locker room. And I'm glad that Mark Davis had the good sense to say, you know what? It's our last year in Oakland. Let's do it. Because that is the Raider way. The Raider way is the rebel way. They've always gone against the grain. When you expect something from them, they tell you to go right, you better look left. So I'm thoroughly intrigued by it. I am thoroughly intrigued by it. I am looking forward to it. Let me tell you something, Scott. When I when I looked at what Al da- oh, excuse me, Mark Davis said, and he said, quote, everybody wants to be a Raider. Now they'll find out what it takes to become one. That's all we've been wanting to know. You've been against being on hard knocks for many years. So who talked Mark Davis and, and convinced Mark Davis that it was now time for his team to be showcased on hard knocks? Because I'm going to watch. I know you're going to watch. I know many people listening to this podcast are going to watch. Even Antonio Brown said, he tweeted out and said, it's a hard knock life for us. Get your popcorn ready. Derek Carr also tweeted out, yes, sir, Brody. Now, what's interesting is that the last time, the last team to appear on hard knocks to make the playoffs, you know what team that was, Scott? There's that Houston Texans team that didn't didn't know what to do with their quarterback for the first couple of couple of months. But yeah, 2015. Right. And they went nine and seven and made the playoffs, but lost in a wild card game. So is this is this a good sign for the Raiders to say, you know what? Maybe this could be a blessing in disguise. Maybe this could get us to the playoffs. Maybe you can be that Houston Texans team that gets to the playoffs and hopefully has much better success than what they had in the wild card round. I don't know, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to be tuned in every episode because I want to see how this, they have a cast of characters over there in Oakland. And I'm definitely looking forward to watching these guys go at it. Well, yeah, th- this is this is a match made in heaven as far as if you look at the, the personalities. You look at John Gruden, you look at Mike Mayock, you look at Tom Cable, you look at Richie Incognito, you look at Montez Perfect, Antonio uh, Brown, and then the cast of characters that are behind them. I mean, you really do have a, a almost like a lifetime story when it comes to Josh Jacobs, his story, his, you know, making it, just making it as a human being, and then making it to the NFL. You know, you've got uh, Sticky Hands on a Renfo making the team, you know, after, uh, you know, his ascension to uh, to college football as a walk on at, at, at Clemson. So there's a there's a lot of stories just in that. And we're not even talking about 
uh, it, it, the, the cast characters already there, you know, Cujo and, 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 um, Conley and, uh, you know, Mo Hurst, what, what he went through, you know, I mean, it, there's just a lot of stuff going on. Rod, Rodney Hudson, who I'd love, who's just an awesome dude to talk to and to pick his brain. I mean, he runs that offensive line. It's going to be interesting to hear from him. Uh, you know, Colton Miller, uh, Brandon Parker, uh, you know, Trent Brown. There are just so many, so many people. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, Buckner, the new defensive line coach who, uh, you know, I, I just want to hear how the coaches interact. I want to get a little bit more personal with the the coaching assistants and the I'd love to hear from the strength and conditioning coach, the new coach there, who's obviously made an impact on Arden key already. Uh, things of that nature. I mean, I, you know, the drama is great, blah, 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 blah. But I think you're going to see more of the Raider way. And I can tell you this, Mark Davis and everybody's putting on a great face. It's good for the players. It really is. It gets them more name recognition, which of course, can get them, you know, more popularity. More popularity brings in more money in, in the form of advertising dollars. And, um, you know, that name brand, household name, you know, when they're looking for another contract. Players tend to like it. It's the coaching staff and the teams that don't want to see anybody looking at their business um, who don't. But it is what it is. They dragged Mark Davis kicking and screaming into this, and he's putting on a brave face for it. But – this is a tribute to Oakland, so last year in Oakland. And granted, most of this is going to be filmed in Napa. I get it. But it's still the final season of the Oakland Raiders. So I, I think that this is, to me, I felt it was better for Hard Knocks to be this year with the cast of characters, with everything going on. Um, and, you know, they already have the distractions. They already got the long road schedule. It, it, it's better to pilot on this year and and see what this team is made of because – Next year, they might be going to the playoffs. Hell, if the stars line up and, and it's a miracle season, they could go to the playoffs this year. But get it out of the way now. <laughs> you know, I know. I get it. You know, it, the thing is, you look at that Texas team, you know, they didn't even have a quarterback for half the season. They played on defense. That defense was airtight, locked down, beautiful defense. Roman Carano was running that thing hardcore. The Raiders this year are an enigma on on defense. They better be good on offense because they have built the offense. There is no reason for them not to be. So it'll well, be great to at, see what they're on in hard knocks. It'll be great, I think. Look, I, that's all fine and good. I want to see some hard hitting. I want to see some fights break out. I want to see some entertainment, damn it. I want to sit there and be thoroughly entertained. I want to hear some comments. I want to hear some slip talk. That's what I want to see on Hard Knocks. All the football stuff is great. I want to see this for the entertainment value that it could bring. Because, good Lord, we all know, I want to see Vontaze Burfick and Antonio Brown in the same damn room with the same damn uniform on. That's what I want to see. And what happens as a result of those two personalities being at the same place at the same time. That's what I want to see. I don't, I could care less about the football aspect when it comes to hard knocks because we're already going to get that anyway. I'm here for the drama. And many people <laughs> out there, including Raider Nation, want to see the drama. They want to see something pop off because we know in times before we watched hard knocks, certain things have popped off with other teams. It has. And that's what, we, that's what we're banking on. But you, you talked about a quarterback when Houston didn't have 
a, a solid quarterback. You're absolutely right. But in the same time, Derek Carr is playing for his future this year. So what he does in training camp to prepare with Antonio Brown, to prepare with the running game, to prepare with um, all that, that that comes with it. Like you said, there's no excuse for uh, with that with that wide receiver core with Tyrell Williams and that all and the rest of the offense, you're absolutely right. That's what I want to see because everything's right on Derek Carr. Nobody's going to look at Tyrell Williams. No one's going to look at the running game. No one's going to look at uh, Antonio Brown. All this falls on the shoulders of Derek Carr. And if Derek Carr doesn't get through the season. Even if they go nine and seven, because I said the Raiders could probably go nine and seven. I said that I, I took a bold step and I said I think the Raiders could be nine and seven this year if they stay healthy and do what they're supposed to do. I think they can go nine and seven, which could potentially make you know, depending on how the AFC shakes out, could put you in a wild card spot. We'll see. But I don't think that they're better than the Chiefs. I don't think they're better than than the Los Angeles Chargers. So. Nine and seven is a relatively good record. Now I know I might get killed on here by Raider Nation because I've always been deemed as a Raider hater, and that's fine. That means you guys are paying attention. There's some smart fans out here, but at the same time, I don't hate the Raiders. I'm just telling you like it is. Whether you want to accept it or not, it's on you. But one thing I will say is hard knocks is going to be something special. I had we had a chance to talk to speaking of rivalries. We had a chance to talk to a quarterback in the AFC West and asked him, is he going to be paying attention to hard knocks? Because remember that year? I think it was the Rams that year that went on hard knocks. And another team was taking their plays and taking their signals. And the Rams got mad. But they exposed their signals and play calling on hard knocks. Could the Raiders slip up and do that? I hope not. But if I'm one of these AFC West quarterbacks that have to play them twice in a year, I would pay attention. Let's hear what uh, Chargers quarterback Phillip Rivers had to say about if he's going to watch Hard Knocks with the Raiders being on there. Let's take a listen. Yeah, I mean, I've seen bits and pieces. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't, it's, not, it's not a uh, must view for me. So, yes, Phillip Rivers played it off, was like, eh, yeah, I'm going to watch, but eh, I'm not going to, I'm not really into it. Come on, man. As much as Philip Rivers studies film, you got to, you got to think at least he will watch at least an episode or two of Hard Knocks with the Raiders being on. You got to figure he's going to watch it just to see if he can do a scouting report. Just to see. Because he already has an idea of what the, one of the wide receivers is going to be capable of doing because he's played with Tyrell Williams for the last several years. So he already has an inside track. But if I'm Phillip Rivers, would I check out an episode or two? Sure. Just to see what they're looking like. Just to see if I can pick up something. Do you buy that Phillip Rivers won't be watching Hard Knocks? Oh, man. Really? I believe that everybody in the AFC West is going to be watching Hard Knocks. Every team that is going to play the Raiders is going to watch them, and they're going to scrutinize the hell out of it. That's, I mean... It, it it's it's like insider trading information you know people can say you know it, it they're not going to listen but if your brother works for you know uh ibm and he comes over to your house and he's talking about how they're getting ready to do this and the stock's going to double you going to go out and buy it or not you're going to listen it's just the way it is 
and they they can play it off all they want. You know, everybody's going to be watching that. And that is the thing is, is yeah, Jeff Fisher, John Gruden is not Jeff Fisher. This team will be able to handle it. They, they will be prepared for that scenario. Now, is it possible they could screw up? Everybody's human. There's a lot of things could happen. There's a lot of drama that could happen. I think it's going to be more boring on that side. I think everybody's going to be on their best behavior uh, on camera. To to me, I I feel like this is going to look like a professionally run organization, and you're going to get a lot of John Gruden, you know, a lot of Mike Mayock, and and you know a lot of the coaching interactions, and it's going to be a lot more scripted from the Raiders point of view, because they do, they want to show a professional class act organization. I believe that's what they're going to try to present. And you already have two guys that, that are, that are public personalities spent years, you know, in front of a camera uh, running this organization. Well, like I said, we will find out what happens. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I want to, I don't want to see, 75% John Gruden and Mike Mayock, that's boring. I don't want to see that. I want to see them as a part of it, but I want to see the players. I want to see what goes on in the locker room. So we'll find out. It's going to be very interesting. Speaking of interesting, the Raiders have minicamp this week, which is obviously the, the, the last step before they have a nice little vacation and then they come back and really get things jumping off with training camp. And to me, there were a couple of guys that stood out to me in training in, in minicamp uh, when I checked it out. And there was one guy, and we know the running back, the rookie running back that was drafted by the Raiders, uh, and Josh Jacobs. And one, one thing interesting that Josh Jacobs mentioned is that um, they were supposed to be doing a story about his life. Uh, he was approached by several producers to start a movie about his life. And what I look at, a young man who has a lot of promise, a young man that came from a great program under a great coach like Nick Saban. Um, his decision ultimately was to say, you know what? I'm going to forego this movie or this biopic. I'm focusing on football. Now is not the time. And you know what? You got to commend a young guy like that. I mean, he's dedicated. He's focused on winning. He's focused on trying to be better. He wants to be a part of this organization. He wants to be a part of this team. And the one thing also that I looked at was how much the veterans were looking after the rookies. They were kind of instructing them, hey, man, you did a great play. Or if they did a bad, they did something wrong or missed out on a, on a route or, you know, didn't catch the right ball, they would get on them to make sure they got better. And that's something that I, I, I watched this Raider team kind of come together with the veterans and the young players, which is great to me. I think it's going to develop a lot of chemistry. I think it's going to build some camaraderie, especially for all those road trips that they're going to have to take this season because the NFL made sure they were going to stay on the road a, a lot longer than they anticipated, I'm sure. Let's, hear, let's take a listen to what Josh Jacobs had to say as it pertains to where he stands on this team. Because to me, I think the Raiders are doing an excellent job bringing him along slowly, but let's hear from his own words. Honestly, I thought we was going to be on it next year, um, but I knew it was coming sometime soon, and 
Um, so we'll see how it plays out. You missed a, a couple of uh, workouts early a couple of weeks ago. From the looks of yesterday, saw you running down the field. Looks like you're 100 percent good yeah. to go. I mean, yeah, it was definitely something that like college I still would have practiced, um, but in the league they take it a little more serious when you have a little tweak. Um, so they just sat me out a couple of days and I've been back ever since. How are you picking up with you think the offense and the system and all that? Um, it kind of translates uh, from college things we did. It's just different names, um, a little bit different schemes, um, but it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be initially coming in. So we'll see. <laughs> you gotta res you gotta do nothing but respect what Josh Jacobs is about. The man is focused. He came from a like I said, he came from a great program. Um, even he talked about his injury. He said, you know, I was out for a couple of days. Normally, if he was in college, they'd have kept playing him because it wasn't a, a significant injury. But in the NFL, it's a little bit more serious. And he's learning how to be a pro, not just on the field, but off the field as well. He has a great head on his shoulders. The Raiders did an excellent job by drafting him. And I think he's going to have some significant progress this season uh, at, the, at the running back position. Well, it's wide open, you know, for him. And you know the the thing that i caution uh is i would like to see the raiders use him uh, the way that the saints use alvin kamara they they really try not to wear him down over the season they try to you know mix it up they you know they got their hammer with with mark ingram now they've got tay train uh murray in there that's going to be that uh you know uh, in between the tackles guy to 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 spell him to to keep him from getting so many carries with Josh Jacobs. I, I I hope to see the same thing. Now I believe the kid has all the talent. I believe that he's probably a better Alvin Kamara talent wise from what I seen him at, at Alabama. Now you know he's transitioned to the pro, so you know you, you've got to see him do it at this level. But I believe that he has the physical traits and he has the mental traits, and he is just a sharp kid. And I like seeing. His attitude, he's completely focused on being a Raider, being a football Raider, and and, and just playing well. Um, and what you said about the the veterans and how they're how there's you see, that's a thing about this team, and that I haven't seen since 2015, is you've got players that are veterans that are very vocal and very vocal for the team and bringing guys in and holding rookies accountable. But you know, also at the same time praising them. Um, that's what I believe has been missing since since Woodson has not been on this team anymore. Since um, uh, uh, Tuck has not been Justin Tuck has not been on this team. Those were two guys that everybody absolutely respected on the team. That commanded just nobody could say anything about because they had been there, done that. You know, both of them have fantastic careers and. You know, they led by example and were also vocal. So you've got that in Vontez Perfect. You got that in, in Antonio Brown. I, you know, uh, Marshall, these are guys that have come from winning programs. You know, they, they've been there, done that. Now, the, the Bengals haven't won the Super Bowl, but they were in the playoffs five straight years. You know, Antonio Brown's team have been to the Super Bowl. They, they've been to playoffs. You know, Wilbur Marshall's team. One, I mean, you know, Marshall's team won the Super Bowl. They know how where, how to get it done, you know, and, and they have been the best at their position. So you have that going for them as well. So it's nice to have that and hear that 
uh, going forward. And it's going to be interesting camp with those, with those voices. And you're going to see that. That's the thing you're going to see on Hard Knocks that I'm really looking forward to. Well, yeah, and, and myself, Joe Rigo, and Q will all be out there for training camp at some point. So I'm definitely going to get a bird's eye view of what not only what the rookies are doing, but what the veterans are doing and how they're coming together. Because now training camp is for real. Now you're preparing for the preseason and ultimately preparing for the regular season when it counts. The other young man, that I, the other player that I like um, on the defensive side of the ball that's a rookie is Jonathan Abram. I think this kid is explosive. The one thing about him, he he listens. Um, you know, you have a a, a, a veteran guy like a, a LaMarcus Joyner, who's still young, but like I said, he's a veteran because of the, the years and the time that he's compiled at that position, at the safety position. He can learn from a guy like LaMarcus Joyner. LaMarcus Joyner is coming off a Super Bowl appearance. LaMarcus Joyner has played with a team that's only gotten better every single year since the inception of, Mar- of, of, of Sean McVay with the Los Angeles Rams, and now he's with the Oakland Raiders. So this is pretty much a godsend for the Oakland Raiders to have a, a guy like LaMarcus Joyner who can teach Jonathan Abram about the position of safety and being the most effective safety out there. Not only that, Jonathan Abram is taking on a major, major responsibility and stepping in some very big shoes by wearing the number 24. You don't remember, if you don't know what the number 24 represents with the Raiders, Raider Nation, I'm telling you, you better, you better get with it. I know all, all of Raider Nation out there that's listening to this podcast knows the importance of wearing number 24. You know who number 24 was, Scott? Well, you got a lot of 24s, you know. But he starts with Old Man Willie Brown, 24? but then, well, Old Man Willie Brown 24? and Charles, hold on, Old Man Willie Brown and Charles Woodson. I can't make I can't pick a better one simply because they came from two separate you know uh, time frames. But both of them, you know, one's in the Hall of Fame and one's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So just just throwing that out there. Well, like I said, the, to me, it was Charles Woodson. He had the grit. He played the position well. Probably the best at the position for that team for that Raiders team. And to me, when you step in number 24 shoes, and I'm talking about Charles Woodson out of, U, out of Michigan, you better be ready to play. And I think Jonathan Abram understands the responsibility of having the number 24. Because let me tell you something, if you don't step it up and you don't perform like you're supposed to, or oh, Raider Nation will let you hear about it. They're not for play. Everybody respects 24 and Charles Woodson. Because Charles Woodson was that guy that gave his heart, blood, sweat, and tears and soul to the Raiders when he was on that field, even when he had turf toe. And Charles and Woodson, a, knew, he, he he had a damn separated shoulder for all, all of his last year. Exactly, I mean, he separa- exactly. He separated and his shoulder played. and still played. And, and halftime, played. at halftime, he would go in. The, he would go in at halftime, and they would pop his shoulder back in into place every game. That is the you heart know. of a warrior. Yeah, absolutely. Charles Woodson had the heart of a warrior. He was a rebel, and he did exactly what the Raider way was. Tough, gritty, and get to the point. And that's what he did. And so Jonathan Abram is going to wear the number 24. Okay, kid, good luck. You know what you're stepping into. You better have your, you better step your game up. And I'm not saying that Jonathan Abram isn't talented, because I think he's immensely talented. That's why the Raiders drafted him in the first round. But you better back it up because that is a number that is held in very high regard. 
So I think Jonathan Abram, once he gets accustomed to the NFL style of play, because it's totally different than where he was, him coming out of college, excuse me. And But the, the, the blessing is he has a guy like a LaMarcus Joyner who can teach him and show him the ropes. And LaMarcus is going to be on him. He, I mean, Jonathan Abram already said that, you know what, I've been working with LaMarcus. He tells me where to go. He tells me where, where I'm making the corrections. He tells me where to, where to be. He shows me how to go about, you know, going up against my, def- you know, b- being a defender. Um, so it's a good thing. I think the Raiders made a, a wise choice in uh, drafting Jonathan Abrams, but also acquiring uh, LaMarcus Joyner. I mean, to me, he was a steal. It was a no-brainer. They had to get him if they wanted to be competitive. So those are the two guys, to me, that stood out in minicamp um, this season. And, and hopefully they, ha- they continue to have a great training camp. Um, I definitely want them to do well. I would love to see what uh, Josh Jacobs can do on the offensive side of the ball, and I would love to see what Jonathan Abram can do on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that secondary is going to be slightly underestimated this season um, as far as what they can bring to the table against their opponents. Um, I'm going to the, the two games that I'm circling on my calendar when it comes to the Raiders is going to be the Raiders and the Chargers and the Raiders and the Chiefs. Those are the two games that I'm circling on my calendar. Because if the Raider defense can step up, and if Kansas City is not at full strength and have enough weapons for Patrick Mahomes to be successful, it's going to be a long afternoon for the Kansas City Chiefs against the Oakland Raiders. And well, that's know, what I'm looking forward to. The, the first game in Oakland last year, I mean, the Raiders pushed Kansas City to the limit, even with their everybody on the field. You know, and, and that was, they had a, they had better personnel on their defense. Now they got, now they got a different defensive coordinator. They got Frank Clark. Great, that's fine. But they've lost so many people. They've lost the heart and soul of that defense. Even if it was technically, statistically, one of the worst defenses in the league, the one thing that they weren't the worst at, one of the best at, was takeaways. They 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 had fan. They would get stops when they needed it, and they would they led the league in takeaways or were top of the league, top five in takeaways. You know, over the last few years, now they got a different defensive coordinator and uh, you know and they've lost a lot of those guys that got those takeaways now those are going to be some great matchups now uh you know abrams obviously he, he you know it's his job to lose and that's fantastic and bringing on joiner just another one of those veterans that i was talking about you know has been there you know just came back from the super bowl knows what it takes to get there understands the mentality and you know very high football iq you know teaching a guy with very high football iq who's got massive aggression, who can, you know, uh, just needs to be in the right spot, needs to learn the NFL way and the Raider way of how to do things from the box safety. You've got Cujo stepping up, being a quiet leader, you know, who's going to be the free safety, which is going to be awesome. He's pretty much locked in there. I'm really interested, you know, of course, Joyner's going to be the the slot. I'm really interested to see how Mullins and, and Worley, that, comp, that battle, uh, because that's going to be an interesting battle. I'm really interested to see how Morrow, the tight end uh, that they got at LSU and well, uh, Walt Uller, those two are going to be fighting and competing for first team reps. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if they, if they're, they're, you know, back and forth for the season, just depending on how things play out, because uh, you know, I'm hearing nothing but good things about more from, from, you know, from this, the OTAs and, and mini camp. And then you got uh, Richie incognito. He's coming in. Gonna block, you know. You're you're talking about a guy 
that you've got for veteran minimum contract, there's nobody out there that can play as well as him, at least the way he did play. Well as I him mean, for the money that you for the money. For that the money. You got, for should. the money. For the money. Yeah, that's, that's, let's be clear that's, about that's, that. That that's exactly it. The price for production, there's there for the assumed production, for the projected production. Because you know, he's been out of football for a year. You know, you, it, it is. And it's a gamble, of course. But you also have Good there as well, who played very well in the last four games um, when, he was, when he was shoved into that position. And they gave him a nice little contract extension as well. So you've got some depth there. It, it's, not, it's not 100%. There ain't nobody behind him. At least they got some depth on that line. And that's important because, of course, you said everything's going to be on Derek Carr. I believe as long as Derek Carr has some time, he has nothing but weapons. And he has shown you what he can do with time and weapons. And he's going to have the best weapons he's ever had. So I don't see, I mean, it's possible that he, you know, he could, he could fail. Uh, anything is possible there. I see he's going to succeed. I see that this team is going to be at least eight and eight or better. I believe the Mendoza line for Derek Carr is, as long as something crazy doesn't happen, is eight and eight. You know, as long as this offense out there, I believe this offense honestly should be at least top 10. And it could be, you know, a top five, top six, but it should be a top 10 uh, offense with I this. With, with, no, no, no. With this offense. Okay. Just add up, add up who you brought on, on there. Add up their yard. Add up Antonio I, Brown. Add up a Terrell. No, 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 no. You're telling me that Terrell Williams ain't, ain't going to get at least 800 yards. You're telling me Antonio Brown ain't going to get these 1,200 you yards. Get, you can get yards, but you have to be able to score yeah, on a consistent I, I, basis. And I understand me, that. I don't see there, the, these I, I'm not confident can. in the running game, but I'm not confident in the running game. That's, the the running qu- game, that's a huge question mark. The, the running that's game the last year. The running game last year with, with Doug Martin, they got over 1,600 yards. And they got Doug Martin is what? A year older, right? I understand that. But he's still – how okay. old is he? I mean, he ain't that old. We ain't talking about – He's not Methuselah back there. He ain't so long in the teeth that, that he can't get the, at least a job done from, from, from that perspective. His biggest thing is not putting the ball on the ground. That's his, that, if there's a knock to Doug Martin is putting the ball on the ground because he played well last year in a very bad offensive line in a very poor offense that, that you know, just couldn't get things going. And he played quietly. He played pretty well. For what he was asked to do. Now you got this playmaker back there and Josh Jacobs. You got Richard who can catch, you know, 50, 60 balls out of the backfield all on his own. You're going to have an interesting fight at fullback, which will be fun. We'll see. But Doug Martin is, 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 is going to be, Doug Martin is almost 31 years old by the time they, by the time they play. A 31 year old, a 31 year old running back. As much wear and tear as he's taken in his career, whether it's with the Bucks or whether it's with the Raiders, to me, I, I'm not confident in that. If the Raiders would have signed Le'Veon Bell and then had Josh Jacobs, yeah, sure, I'd have been like, okay, we we could check all the we could check all the boxes across the board. But the but to be forced to to re-sign Doug Martin, yes, you drafted Josh Jacobs, but how long is this going to be his learning curve? Because he still has to have a learning curve because it's, he's a rookie. So, again, I question – I don't question the wide receiver core. I'm the first one to say that. I think the wide receiver core is the best in the AFC West. I said that. I got flack for it, but I said it because everybody was looking at the Chargers 
everybody was looking possibly at the at the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs at the, at the time. I said that the Raiders have the better wide receiver core. My question is still the running game because we don't know what Doug Martin's going to be able to get through a whole season. We don't know how well Josh Jacobs is going to be acclimated into the system to produce. I'm not saying he won't produce, but when is he going to produce on a consistent level? And then I have to kind of look at the O-line as well. How, can the O-line stand the test of time and keep Derek Carr upright and give him enough time, like you said, to get the ball off? That's what I'm looking at. So again, I'm not saying that the I'm not I'm not praying for guys to you know, fail, but I'm looking at it from an objective standpoint. We got we to be realistic here. You said eight and eight. I'm saying nine and seven. We're pretty much, you know, neck and neck when it comes to the records. But Derek Carr is fighting for his job. Let's be clear about that. Derek Carr is fighting for his job. And if he does, if they don't, they're not able to score or they struggle in the red zone or they're not able to score in the red zone enough we're going to be by week seven, week eight, they'll be calling for Derek Carr's head. And you know it as well as I do. That's why I'm saying I'm not going to sit up here and, 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 you know, step around and step on eggshells when it comes to this offense, because listen, I'm not confident in the entire package of the offense. I like Derek Carr. I like the wide receiver core. I even like Josh Jacobs. But my question mark still remains. We talked about this on a, on, a, on a previous episode. I still question the running game. Period. Well, as long as it's healthy, I, the way I look at it, uh, I believe Josh Jacobs is the real deal. I'm not saying that they're, you know, he's going to be the 300 carry guy or 400 or 350 touch guy that that say, uh, you know, uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell would be. Um, I would have. I would be much more happy if if I was a fan of this team and Isaiah Correll was in there. I felt like, you know, that was going to be your 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 major impact player as far as getting in there and getting the grinding yards. But Doug Martin is a capable backup to that, and he showed that last season. Uh, the big improvements on the line, you know, bringing in, bringing in Brown – and, and, you know, the, the emergence of good and bringing in incognito and a healthy Gabe Jackson and a healthy Colton Miller. To me, on paper, as long as this team, that's the biggest thing for me with this team. When I say the Mendoza line is eight and eight, I believe that this team can do better than that. But I believe that the Mendoza line is, is eight and eight because I believe that the talent on offense should be such that eight and eight should be the floor. For this team, I believe that given the talent that they have on offense, and I understand that there is a there is a a learning curve, but a lot of times for running backs, it's not as big of a curve as it is, say, for linemen or or tight ends or or even wide receivers to, for to you know for that point. Running backs teams seem to come in, especially the good ones, the high end ones, your first round picks tend to come in and just slip right in and do their job and do what is expected of them. Um, uh, uh, Gordon did. He just, he got injured. That was his big thing. Uh, you know, the kid, uh, Gurley did. Uh, think about your last, you know, your, your last first-round picks in, 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 in running backs. I mean, very rarely do you have that bust, like maybe Trent Richardson was horrible, but at least his first season, he still got a 1,000 rushing yards. 
they were hard yards, well, but he still ran the ball say, well his first season. Well, I'll say this much. There's going to be a lot to look forward to in training camp. There's going to be lots, lots to look forward to at various positions with this writer team. We all can speculate and it's, you know, and, and have insight on certain things, but I will say this much. The one thing I am definitely looking forward to is Hard Knocks. That will air starting Tuesday, August 6th at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on HBO. If you have HBO On Demand, HBO Now, HBO Go, you can also on those streaming platforms catch every minute and every ounce of the Raiders on Hard Knocks. Starting again on August 6th, that's a Tuesday, 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Before we get on out of here, I'll say the last thing. The Raiders, how will the fans, and we got about 30 seconds, so I'll ask you this question. How will the fans be receiving the Raiders this year, knowing that this is their final year in Oakland, a city that where they started, left, came back, and now they're leaving again, this time for good? How do you feel like the Rams will receive them week one? How the Raiders fans are receiving week one. I think it's going to be uh, bittersweet. I think they're going to be excited. But uh, ultimately, how the season progresses, uh, if they're competitive or not, is really going to tell the tale, in my opinion. I think I think so, too. I think it's going to be interesting to see how not so much week one, but week nine, week ten, as it gets closer to nearing the end of the season, especially if they don't make the playoffs this year. Yeah. Yeah, how they exactly. going to how they going to respond? Will, will Raider fans start to stay away and say, you know what, I'm not coming to the last game, or will they come out in droves for the very last game, last home game, I should say, at Oakland Alameda Coliseum or whatever it's called these days? I'm more inclined to think that I think it's maybe fifty fifty. They might stay away. You know, we saw that happen with the Chargers when they were leaving San Diego. A lot of Charger fans sold their tickets to Raider fans because that was a la- the last home game. Um, at Qualcomm was against the Raiders. And that's why it was like almost like a damn near a Raider home game because it has so many Raider fans because they got they, they bought their tickets from Charger fans. So will the Raider <laughs> fans be selling off their tickets to the other team's fans just it, it, as a protest? I don't know. I mean, it happened in San Diego before they moved to L.A. So will it happen in Oakland before they moved to the 702? It, it, you know, it really, I, I believe it really depends on whether they're a good team or not. Uh, you know, for the most part, I mean, each individual fan is going to have to make their own choice and it's going to be bittersweet regardless. But if they're a good team, if they're playoff bound, I believe that you're going to see the fans show up. I mean, with that Chargers, that Chargers team, they, they weren't playoff bound. They weren't going anywhere. And it was, uh, you know, of course, and that was a bitter, 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 bitter fight the whole way through. So, uh, you know, I, I, but again, two different fan bases, two different kind of situations. Uh, we'll see. Really, we'll see. Be interesting to see. Absolutely. It will, it will be bittersweet as we're going to get back with everyone next week on this same network. That is the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network here on SB Nation. You are off the turf, the Silver and Black turf, for my established co-host, Scott Winter. I'm yours truly, Nick Hamilton. Make sure you subscribe and download and spread the word about the Silver and Black Turf here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. Thank you so much. Make sure you check me out on all social media platforms 
at Nick Hamilton LA. You can also catch my guy, Scott Winter. Where can they find you, Scott? At uh, uh, Scott, <laughs> at Scott underscore Winter NFL. Uh, and uh, you know, when I do my article set, Raiders beat. All right. Until next week, y'all stay grinding, stay tough. Raider Nation, stand up. We out. Yo, I'm from the land of the players, slick talkers and collar poppers, narcotics and boss ballers, pit bulls and the rock rollers, niggas with gold teeth, old schools on gold feet, killers and old teeth, task posts and the police, Mac off the foothill, East 14 to Brandy Park, Brookfield, Plymouth and Walnut Street, from the building seminary to the rolling 20s, with ghetto celebrities like Big Feet and Little D, you see the East Bay Dragons, it's the home of the Panthers, with niggas like tons of crack and fans catching on camera, throw you in the slammer, it's the home of shit. And hammer, both ballers moved to Atlanta, niggas stole our grammar. That's my focus, that's my nephew, that's my weeples, that's my nizzle. Please believe me, go for cheesy off the hizzle, do your thistle. When my niggas ride dope feet, riddles, rock residentials, like crack, pack pistols, every track I sizzle. I'm a Raider, Oakland Raider, from the Bay to LA to Long Vegas, cause I'm a player, a boss player. And if you make me pop your collar, shake them haters. I'm a Raider, Oakland Raider, from the Bay to LA to Long Vegas. I'm a raider, just like my niggas before me, but I was a thief without the open face, gold teeth, and in gold was some fine-ass Oakland Raiders, and Too Short was the first Oakland Raider on the set. Now, who man was a Raider when he was fucking with that, and Astoria X was a Raider when he was a water to stay, and Dangerous Dane was a Raider when he was calling hoes names, but I know, from the lake on Sundays to the 5 now we to East Mott with the side show, but it's fun, and I'm famous, but I ain't trying to die, though, niggas be going out in the game, but not if I have to go back to dope, I'm slinging for survival. Now, true pippy do. If you hoeing and he pippin' you. Tried it for 30 days, I ain't lying, I ain't with it, dude. A babysitting job? Oh my God, that's a job. But I still want to do it, cause it's 100% odd. I'm a Raider, Oakland Raider. From the Bay to LA to Long Vegas. Cause I'm a player, a boss player. And if you make me pop your collar, shake them haters. I'm a Raider, Oakland Raider. From the Bay to LA to Long Vegas. Hieroglyphics been rated since 93 till infinity Some underground shit that just shook the fucking industry And Humpty with his gone ass, some raider in his own right The whole D, you can't forget you amped on sight Now, Mystic, she the only female raider I know You the shit, baby girl, I'm just letting you know And last but not least Tupac Shakur, nigga, uh, rest in peace. I'm from the city of dope, the town of the crack. I'm from the city of pimps, the town of the mad. East Oakland, he totin', Ebonic speech broken, keep joking. The loonies about to have the streets smoking. Down south, y'all keep smoking. Hey, we got the killer throwing eight. Heron and kilos for days. It's the city of the warriors, the home of the A's. Where niggas get sideways, shoot out some highways, nigga. East Oakland, bitch. I'm a Raider, Oakland Raider, from the Bay to LA to Long Vegas, cause I'm a player, a boss player, and if you pick me pop your collar, shake the haters, I'm a Raider, Oakland Raider, from the Bay to LA to Long Vegas, cause I'm a player, bo
sight on you. Rest in peace, Eclipse. Bad influence. Rest in peace, Rappin' Ron. Aunt Banks, Seagram. Rest in peace, my nigga. Black Dynasty, Delinquents, Richie Rich, 415, MCN, The Coop, Point Blank, EA Ski, Steady Mobbin. All y'all niggas is Raiders. Raider motherfuckers. What? Damn, what about me? This is Mark Curry, baby. I'm not an open Raider, goddamn. I'm the first motherfucker on TV. First one did HBO. First one did Apollo. I think it qualified me in the Hall of Pimology as an open Raider. What? That's right, representing the town, Eastside Oakland, you know how we do it, Eastside Oakland, nigga, straight up take your hoe. Dollars all day long, you know how we do it in the town, Crystal, Big Dank, that's the way we roll. Old school, sitting on 20s, it don't make no difference, floating, doing it all, ghetto nigga from the East Mountain Mall.